0: it's a crazy day jeff let me tell you jeff, right. do you have aggressive drivers in birmingham yeah yeah <laughs> it's uh it's one of those things right so like if you're turning right or left out of a grocery store say and you see somebody who's you know pretty good ways away. Right. Mm -hmm. And you think, okay, I'm going to get a chance to turn, but no, that car speeds up aggressively. So you can't make the turn. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. Like ain't nobody going to turn in my, in front of me. You know, Mm -hmm. I I don't understand that mindset, but it's, these people would be shot in LA if they tried that kind of traffic. Just telling you
1: Southern, Southern aggressive driving. And I've lived in Atlanta a few times. I mean, it's just, it's kind of next level.
0: It's just aggression. I, yeah, I just yeah. for lack of a better term. I just can't. I think
1: I it just I guess it also uh, uh, dismisses the myth about the the, the laid back Southerner and, uh, you know, that we're that we're kind. We're just kind, simple people, Joseph. We don't, you know.
0: Yeah, I think I knew I was in trouble when I moved to Alabama when I heard someone here say SWAT T. <laughs> Not sweet tea, but swat tea. Can
1: I get some swat tea, please?
0: Yeah. Like, we are not in.
1: (laughs) Perhaps with the the fry basket. (laughs) (laughs) Put
0: all the eggs and the bacon and the sausage. Sausage. And it needs to be a barnyard reunion on that burger. I just want to. You know, I was
1: was watching. uh, I caught myself. I was catching up on some work and I just turned on youtube tv and this randomly jumped up uh before i knew it did you you ever watch that show uh man versus food do you know do you know do you know this show i think it was on like 15 years ago or something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i'm really not paying attention but i keep hearing things and he's just like you know weird stuff like all of a sudden just hear like And now they're going to put the burger, the bacon, the egg, the fried shrimp, the hush puppy, the French fry, the sweet potato, the sour cream, the avocado, all on this sandwich, along with 19 slices of American cheese. And I just, my head snaps up because I'm just like, what the hell is going on? who is eating this? What What is this garbage? Who First of all, someone is paying to eat this. Like, I, I think that's the, that's the biggest thing to me. Like, uh, and, and I got to thinking about it a little bit because, you know, back, back when we were in our twenties and we would be roused abouting all night and, you know, ready to, to, to eat a little something at, you know, four in the morning. I mean, we would go to like Denny's or something, but you know, the, there's like this this strange like late night what i will call garbage plate culture like it's basically just throw a bunch of shit on a plate Mm -hmm. stir it around throw some sort of cheese on it and just they'll go to town like
0: as long as there's cheese as long as there's cheese (laughs) cheese 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 is
1: the most most important well it's the most important food of the day (laughs) Uh we are lonely phds i'm dr jeffrey hayes he's dr joseph watson we sit around and uh chew up the airwaves with uh tales of potato chips but mainly movies you know we try to wrangle our focus because uh we got off the riddlin uh decades ago and uh you know we're uh we're back we're back episode six already trucking we are trucking, along. trucking uh, along. We watched a couple films this week. Uh, one of them is uh, Thief by Michael Mann, and the other is Witness by the great Peter Weir. Do you want to flip a coin or? Oh, Who no,
0: I'm first? dying to hear you talk about Thief. So we got we got to we got to start. Oh, with we got to start with Thief. Okay. Absolutely. Right, well,
1: I will begin with Thief. Uh, this came about because right when we were getting ready to tape last week, uh, James Kahn died like, I think literally I got the news like 30 minutes right before we were about to uh, start the recording session. And, you know, it just wasn't enough time to, to sort of think about, you know, this mammoth, mammoth career, uh, multi-genre, uh, always interesting. Um, you know, there was, I was trying to think of the movie with him where it's actually a romantic comedy and he he's dead and he plays a ghost and it's jeff bridges and i believe sally field Kiss me goodbye kiss me goodbye it's a great movie mm-hmm. and he is so warm and mm-hmm. funny and dances because he was a choreographer like, the to, to to try to compartmentalize james Caan into being sunny you know what i mean like it's just unfair it's it's just not fair at all Um, and this is a guy who, who was in film in front of the camera for like 50 years. I mean, it's just so many different, uh, uh, I mean, Jesus Christ, he's in Wes Anderson's bottle rocket, you know? I mean, it's, it's crazy when you think about his career and, um, but yeah, I got to thinking about it because, you know, I, this, this is my favorite movie with him. This is, I can say that without, without a doubt, like Thief. It's just got so much going on. I, I also want to tie in because last week we were talking about the way things wrap around and connect with tissues. Also, uh, Joey, James Kahn's first actual starring role was in Howard Hawks's Red Line 7000 from 1965. Howard Hawks made a racing movie.
0: He did because Howard Hawks did everything, right? He
1: did everything. Have you ever, <laughs> see, have you ever seen this one?
0: I've never seen that
1: interesting so there you go put that one on the list i I'll definitely am because i gotta i gotta see now because now all this stuff is starting as, as we're now getting deeper and deeper in these episodes i'm beginning to realize again it's just like i think red line 7000 was a competitive film with grand prix and we were talking about grand prix mm. because of the cinematographer on it mm-hmm. who did the blue dahlia so mm-hmm. again this kids this is why we're in film studies and film history this stuff has weird connective tissues just running all the way through it it's absolutely amazing sometimes how it all just sort of comes together
0: well you start to see the patterns of things that you like right i mean you know uh and then you go oh wow that person they shot this or they directed that or they wrote that or that you know and you just you really start to see thematics and that's when the when the tissue just like connects so firmly and it's like Wow, you start to see the patterns, and not just what you like, but what you've been exposed to over mm-hmm. the years. Uh, you know, whether consciously or unconsciously. Um, but once that comes to the to the forefront, of consciousness, mm-hmm. you start to see all these patterns, and you're like, "Wow, yeah, you know, I've been really exposed to a lot of this person's content or a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of this person's storytelling capacity." So it's yeah, it's it's one it's one of the thrills of doing what we do. You know, is to find those uh, those connectors.
1: So Thief. Uh, Thief also stands as Michael Mann's first uh, uh, major outing as a filmmaker. Uh, He did a smaller film, The Jericho. What was it called? It's about a film about being in prison, but I think it was a TV movie. And he had he had written like for Starsky and Hutch, but he hadn't directed a a film and Mm. like a big film. And this is a big, you know, big film that he got control over yeah. <laughs> nonetheless, you know which is absolutely insane yeah uh, but it's all there, man. He establishes his style and his tone in this film. D- to walk you through the man's style is kind of like you have to it's it's always sort of this blend of of like film dream, like asserted lighting, a certain mood, mostly at night, um, reflected lights um pitch dark always always very very dark uh not a lot of street lights not a lot of you know things when i say that there's lights it's like lights from buildings or in the case of thief like this beautiful beautiful shooting of the uh of the uh used car lot that he owns at night and they've got all the bulbs that are hanging down you know in the in the neon sign and it's reflecting off the wet surface of the, of the cement. I mean, just, just insane. And that's, that's kind of his, his visual uh, uh, wheelhouse, like for his, for his, I think uh, collateral also, I would say mm-hmm. is, is deeply uh, uh, using that. Cause I don't believe it's that whole film's about one night. Uh, the other part of his, his style uh, filmically is, is reality his, his obsession with showing you process, um, especially here, you know, these guys don't, you know, go up to the safe with the stethoscope and you know fiddle with the, you know, the tumblers and everything. No, these guys have kind of like, you know, power equipment and like a, a lighting the end of a stick that flares at like seven thousand degrees and like burns through the safe. He makes you sit there with it. It's a lot like um I would say it's its biggest influence is Rafifi. um okay yeah, absolutely uh, the famous sequence in Rafifi, uh, which I was very fortunate to see about three years ago on the big screen and that was a thrill that was nice that was nice. very very thrilling um but he does he has this he just has this obsession with capturing as much reality uh as 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 I guess he deems he deems necessary that, that so it doesn't necessarily mm, confuse with his visual aesthetic which which is a weird magic trick i think that he pulls off because again it's just always you know this very hyper real environment but yet a very realistic grounding for like the acting and the way people hold guns and the way that people you know uh uh, uh interact you know uh, uh, with with each other. So from that that's from more the, to the tech that's the technical side of man now the the direct the directing side as far as dealing with actors um man has, this very he keeps writing and we were again talking last week about making the same film over and over and over again you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: he keeps making the same and I don't mean <laughs> that in a derogatory way again
0: right right He,
1: he is obsessed with the the, the you know the good guy bad guy dynamic
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: the cop the criminal except here in this case it's the criminal and the criminal because he you know james con is convinced by a a larger uh, uh, like crime boss to come work for him you know even though his whole life he's been independent and it turns out to be the worst mistake he makes you know it costs him everything um and the way that he always crafts his, his protagonist, Uh, it's James Caan and thief uh, it's uh, well, it's De Niro and Pacino and heat, but more uh, De Niro from the crime side, these men who, who, who criminality is, is a moment to moment life. You know, there, there, there is nothing, you know, that uh, iconic line from heat, you know, Like Jimmy told me, you know, in the pen, you know, you feel the heat coming around the corner, don't have anything you can't drop in 25 seconds or less and walk away. You know, this, this criminality, this moment to moment life, what makes his, his protagonist tragic is that they believe that that's how love and life should be. Mm. Like it's, it's, you know, I love you. Let's, I'll marry you now. Why not? You know, let's have a kid. Fuck it. You know I mean? It's just like, and it's so overwhelming you know, to, to have someone with absolutely no filter, like in his, uh, in this case, James Kahn, James Kahn's character, Frank sees Tuesday Weld's character, who is a a cashier at a, at a diner. First time he sees her, he goes up to her and goes, I'm gonna pick you up on a date. What time you get off? You know, and she's like, eight o'clock. Okay. You know, and, and he eventually he, he runs late. And uh, he has to go find her in a bar and drags her out of there. And like the whole time, like he's convinced He's just like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You don't understand. I want to be with you. I want to be with you. Come on. You know, come on. You're coming with me, you know, and he gets her out there and they go have coffee. And then there's this beautiful, gorgeous 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes scene of these two in a cafe, again, very reminiscent of heat um, where they just have a conversation about life you know, and he tells her all about him and his philosophy. And, you know, he shows her, he has, he carries around in his wallet, this really heartbreaking, like, I would call it his vision board, but it's like a little photo montage, like he's wrapped up and put it in it's but it's basically like a vision board because it's something that he refers to, to hurdle him through life, you know, to remind him of like, this is what I want. This is, this is where I want to be. This is what I'm looking to do. Um, You know, and he's trying to share this with her. And I mean, of course, she is visibly like, I don't know about all this, you know, but he's just like, look, I am who I am. I'm telling you who I am. I'm a thief, you know, but I will love you and I will take care of you. And, you know, she goes for it. So, I, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's amazing because in no way, at least I would think in anyone I've ever met, I don't think in any way would that ever be a real world scenario. And man, he just is really good at writing this stuff. Like just letting you know. And then, and then the performance aspect of it. I mean, watching James Kahn very minimal movements like in head and body. And you can see the eye, you know, and just, you can see in his eyes, he's, he's working it through, you know, just like, I think the patience of the diner scene and heat, one of the most extraordinary things about it is watching De Niro. You can see the clockwork working, mm-hmm. you know, in his eyes is he's like, he's really answering the question, you know, almost, you know, this is like acting as if he doesn't know what the question's going to be. And then taking a few moments to compartmentalize the question and then form a response. Right. I don't know how man does that.
0: Well, you got to have really good actors. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, I think it's just probably just a patience, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and, uh, I don't know how many takes he does of each scene, but, you know, allowing the actors to really get, you know, comfortable. And I I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, when you're working with giants like De Niro and Pacino and James Caan, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I think you just give them space. You ask them what they need, uh, if anything, and, um, you know, you go for it uh, and you just roll a camera and you let them do do their thing.
1: But uh, I mean, I mean, man's a Chicago guy,
0: yeah. you
1: know, and, and I don't I don't think he takes shit off people like I don't. He doesn't strike me that way. Like he just strikes. Yeah. Me yeah. Very, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a difference probably between, uh, you know, directors who would say do your thing mm-hmm. uh, it, as not a passive thing, but more of a I'm in control. It's your time to step up and do your thing. I don't need to tell you what to do. You know, what to mm-hmm. do, mm-hmm. Um, you know? And uh, so I'm going to go do what I do. Um, and it's, it's just kind of a mutual respect kind of thing. Um, you know, I, yeah, that's uh, how you get those performances. Um, God, it's such a, it's a great question. And it's one that I still, you know, struggle with um, mm-hmm. when I'm working at when I'm directing myself, because, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you sometimes have actors who are very, very experienced and I may have to say maybe one or two sentences to them, you know, no, um, um, can you try taking it this direction or can you try, you know, playing with this line or whatever. And then there are other actors, you know, who are really more novice and you really have to, you know, maybe at, at the worst case scenario, you give them some sort of like line read, you know, like how you you hear it in your head, but Mm -hmm. that's at the, that's the worst thing you can do for an actor. Um, But that's like the last desperate technique, but you, you know, you really just try to give them uh, options and, and, um, and, and you want them to make choices. You know, you want actors to make choices. Um, And even if those choices don't work, you, you, you want them to try things because you're trying to get at, you know, that, that sense of vulnerability and, and, uh, and truth. Uh, and he creates an environment that's comfortable for these actors to just let go and and uh, and, and be real uh, in the moment. In the moment, as they say,
1: as they say. And and you know, shout out to to Robert Prosky, who is the heavy in this film. His turn as first, you think of him as like as he's getting James. Okay. Connie's just like, you come work for me. I'll take care. You come work for me. You know, we get you know, no reason to be a lone wolf, you know, we do big scores, we do big takedowns, you know, none of this hustle street garbage. And then there's the turn. And and when the turn comes and Robert Prosky goes from being grandfather-like to saying one of the worst things I've ever heard someone threaten someone with, and I will not repeat it here. It's a line that makes you go, Jesus Christ, like that, like, And, you know, he means it like he is just like it. I'll put it to you this way, folks. It's just like, I'm going to mess you up real bad. And don't you ever, ever think of crossing me or walking away from me. I mean, it's just a killer scene, man.
0: You know, when I think of a Michael Mann movie. I think of great performances. uh, And and I think that what you're going to see from him is more formalist technique within that story, like this heightened stylized sense of color or, uh, or light or shadow. Um,
1: Now, when you say formalism, what could you, what do you mean by that? Yeah.
0: Formalism is, well, I mean, you know, we have this scale. Realism is really more um, like on the extreme end, a realist film is like a documentary film or something that's really sort of grounded in, in reality. And then the opposite end of the scale is formalism where you have very, very highly stylized presentations. You know, the story may not even be a linear narrative in a formalist film. They talk about extreme examples, but we really kind of use that term to suggest formalism. We use that term to suggest that um, the creative team has really... Um, Made a concerted effort to stylize something. They want you to notice the way that they're telling the story so much yeah. as they do the story themselves. They they want you to pay attention to technique and style.
1: But it's uh, not it. That's not saying though that it's style over substance.
0: No, not not by any stretch. It's just a um, a framing device, you know, sort of used to be mm-hmm. able to talk about. It's not concrete, but it's but it mm-hmm. allows us to sort of point out. Um, you know, things that somebody did really well, or, you know, wow, I, I would not have thought that, you know, a, a cafe would have had that much neon or that right, much right, right, right yeah. or that, right? Um, and in reality, it probably yeah. doesn't. So it's, it's, you know, it's stylized in that way so that we purposefully mm-hmm. see it and, uh, and note it. Yeah, I had a cinematography professor as an undergrad who felt that Thief and blade runner Mm. were the two movies to to mark Mm. in the early 80s as like the staples of what would influence
1: dark rainy things to come yeah Yeah. like a neo-noir
0: kind of thing yeah well i've
1: some people have argued for this to be a neo-noir i you know
0: i mean i'd listen I'd, I'd listen. Yeah, I, I think there's I just, probably think, some truth to it.
1: I, I think that it's it's a quarter noir. I, I think it's, it's <laughs> quarter narwish. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my defense. But that's a much longer uh, uh, breakdown I have to do uh, on that. Uh, we're two lonely PhDs. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. He's Dr. Joseph Watson. Uh, we we've been uh, uh, breaking down uh, uh, the late James Kahn's thief. Uh, up next, it's time for witness. Starring Harrison Ford, directed by the amazing Peter Weir, who I think never gets enough credit uh, as the director. And when you go through his filmography, hopefully your brain starts to light up and go, oh, God, that's right. I love that film.
0: This movie, Witness, uh, came out in 1985. Mm -hmm. uh, And let's let's be clear. Peter Weir deserves a lot of credit. I'm going to give him a lot of street cred here. But um, is... um, really all about harrison ford right i mean it's it's really how i got drawn to it at first Uh, i think that's how a lot of other people got drawn to it i love harrison ford it's impossible not to like harrison ford in fact if you don't like harrison ford just stop listening to us because i don't know i'm just kidding skip Um, to the end yeah yeah this was (laughs) this was harrison ford's jeff this was harrison ford's only oscar nominated performance so far in That's his crazy, like right? 40 50 year career. This is the only time he's ever not been. even
1: working girl, Mm-mm. not he didn't get like best supporting for working Mm-mm. girl.
0: Mm. So, uh, so I watched this on DVD, but you can, um, it's streaming for free on Pluto uh, TV. But, um, so let's start with the director, Peter Weir, uh, mm-hmm. who's Australian. He was a part of this Australian new wave that kind of came in the early 80s. Uh, people like Mel Gibson. George Miller, uh, mm. these were Australian uh, creatives coming into, uh, coming into mainstream American cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Weir is also known for um, such classics as Dead Poets Society, yes. The Truman Show. Yep. Uh, he also has what I consider to be his best, which is The Mosquito Coast. Oh, um, such an
1: underrated film, my God. And,
0: yeah, and then I would- With even Harrison Ford. Ford. With Harrison Ford, yes. Um, And uh, I would encourage people to go back. If you really want to do a deep dive, I would encourage you to go back and look at Peter Weir's The Cars That Ate Paris from 1974, where that that is a delicious satire on car porn culture, as well as government Hmm. satire. Uh, And also Picnic at Hanging Rock in 1975, which is a really, really creepy movie about... The disappearance of all female students and their teachers set in 1900, and how their absence haunts the ones that they left behind. That's a that's a really creepy film. So so Weir's worked in a, in a lot of different genres, but I think the thing to understand about him is that he um, is always working with heavy emotional content, and he mm-hmm. always produces a sense of honesty and truth in the material, and I think these emotions, I think we have these emotional moments that come out in his movies because his characters always seem to find themselves in outsider roles in relation to their surroundings. So for example, in Witness, it's a police officer that's forced to hide amongst the Amish community, or in Dead Poets Society, it's a really progressive teacher working against a strict conservative school, right? And so this kind of um, protagonist setup where you know it's um you know it's uh he's working against the grain you know so we we always try to have these kinds of um uh these emotional moments where they might hit a wall of resistance where the character realizes like oh yeah this is really not my place or my or my um you know, it's not the best context for me. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's like a learning moment in a way it's, it's really, um, it's, it's really complex, but I mean, even the Truman show, right. Just mm-hmm. where a where protagonist spends the whole movie realizing that his entire surrounding is, is a facade. Right. Um, so, uh, so we're dealing with, um, you know, with probably some heavy content and, um, we're dealing with people who are, who are outsiders, Um, who don't necessarily belong where they've Mm -hmm. been where they've been dropped now i have to say too before i get into the little story stuff that 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 the dp for this john seal Mm -hmm. also australian i gotta tell you jeff john seal is iconic i mean he won the oscar for the english patient in 1997 but he's been nominated five other times and let me just let me just give you a list. In, in addition to working with Weir on Dead Poets Society, Witness, and Mosquito Coast, I, I got to literally see him do his work. You know, while he was shooting. Oh, the cool! Firm. And, oh, that's right in Memphis because yeah, they shot it in yeah, Memphis. Yeah, yeah. And so, so, so the firm: Children of a Lesser God, Gorillas in the Mist, Rain Man, mm-hmm. Lorenzo's Oil, The American President, Talented Mr. Ripley, Ooh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And most recently, Mad Max Fury Road, which is a cinematography bonanza. Like, it's amazing. Uh, This dude knows how to shoot a movie. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Witness is just littered with, uh, it's gorgeous. It has these wonderful depictions of the rural Pennsylvanian architecture, the agriculture, the landscape, and the cityscape, Jeff, is really so nicely contrasted against Mm -hmm. it, you know, um, as he's making these wonderful decisions about his use of camera space. I mean, this is one shot where uh, the uh, they're waiting for the train to come pick them up and the train just kind of comes into the frame and it just dominates the whole frame as it stops and it surrounds and engulfs these two small little Amish characters. They're about to get on just really smart, you know, yeah. cinematography and, um, uh, and really connecting it, you know, to the, to the content. So so Witness is, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's, um, it's set, it starts out uh, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. I was just up around those parts, so it was really interesting to watch Witness after having driven through several mm-hmm. of those rural Pennsylvania countrysides. But this is 1985, and there were uh, around, at that time, around 14,000 Um, uh, members of the Amish community living in that area and so we open within that community and we Mm -hmm. meet uh, Rachel who's played by uh, Kelly McGillis Mm -hmm. and her son Samuel who's played by Lucas Haas and they're attending a funeral for Jacob who was Rachel's husband and Sam's father and so the community the Amish community as well Mm -hmm. has also lost um, a member And so Rachel and Sam plan to travel to Baltimore to visit some extended family, but all of that gets interrupted when they are waiting at the police station in Philadelphia and Samuel goes to the bathroom and is accidentally a witness to a really brutal murder that takes Mm -hmm. place. So now we enter Detective John Book, played by Harrison Ford, who's our hero. And he wants to, of course, utilize what the kid knows. And he wants to get him to identify one of the murderers, which sets the story in motion, because we now learn that it's police corruption, this kind of goes all the way to the top and it, it forces john to to flee, and Mm -hmm. to run away and to hide out amongst the Amish community with Rachel and Sam, Mm -hmm. until uh, he figures out what you know what to do next. And so you know, eventually there's a a shootout and a confrontation. And I recently read Jeff where um, this story treatment uh, had been passed around for almost a decade. At mm. one point it had uh, Sylvester Stallone attached to it. Oh. Um, but it, but it originally started in the seventies as a Paramount property and it was a Western, mm-hmm. it was a straight up Western. Huh. So uh, they, they came in and kind of uh, uh, reworked it uh, into a into a cop story mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, and it took off um, Harrison Ford, uh, you know, eventually got uh, got on board and, it, you know, and, and we had seen Harrison Ford as Han Solo, as Indiana Jones, I mean, he's, you know, he has these iconic like roles. As Decker
1: by that time before. too. Yeah. And,
0: and in Blade Runner, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so uh, this was a nice, really nice turn for him you know where he could it kind of just be natural and not have to you know to really have super extended shootouts or you know or or or, or chases where he's being drugged under a truck or something you know i mean it was it, it wasn't an action film in that respect so it was, it was really nice to see so i'm going to give you some funsies before okay. i before i get to my takeaways all right okay so funsies uh i think for this one i have to talk about the cast because mm-hmm. uh you have Alexander Gudnov, who was the villain in Die Hard. Die Hard.
1: He was also later
0: on, but he, he was also
1: <laughs> the great boyfriend in The Money Pit. Yes. Yes. You know, yes. why can't we just
0: go and have sex now?
1: <laughs> he's, he's so good in The Money Pit, man. Like,
0: he's great. He's great. And he's a little character actor that pops up in a lot of mm-hmm. 80s films. But he he's in this. Uh, as as one of the members of the Amish community and uh, so is a very teeny tiny youthful looking Vigo Mortensen oh wow he is in this as well playing one of the uh, one of the Amish community and um, the the last thing I think is fun about the funsies is uh, Danny Glover is in this and he plays the villain mm-hmm. and uh, that's pretty fun you know you don't you don't get to see him playing a bad guy uh
1: you know he might have come. Up, did he come off at that point had he done the color purple it'd be interesting because he was also the villain same in year color purple
0: yeah same year yeah uh and so i think it, in some ways it like we had like this is like the preamble right before uh before his character and i'm color getting purple,
1: too like, old
0: for <laughs> The color purple, yeah, lethal weapon too. The color purple, you know, certainly he's 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 uh, he's more vicious. But um, uh, but uh, but this was kind of a tease, you know, you know. Into that, did I ever tell you uh, about meeting him? No. Okay, so I was on a plane flight back from uh, Los Angeles to Baton Rouge in 2012. Mm -hmm. Danny Glover was on the plane, and um, I, I always say this to everybody: when you meet a celebrity. Or when you meet a famous person, Mm -hmm. if you will not act a fool, if you will not stare at them, if you will not whisper, because they know, okay, they know that you know who they are, right? And so I sat back and watched. I was about a row and a half for two rows behind him. And I watched all these people just start, you know, you know, and, and so as soon as we got in the air, seatbelts come off, everybody's getting up, they're walking over to him. They're, you know, they're asking to take pictures. They're doing all this. Right. But they're not really having a conversation, you know? And so whenever I've met celebrities, I've always tried to be very calm, very laid back and, and just kind of, approach them very very casually and normally not not as some sort of overzealous fan who's gonna you know mob them and want all kinds of attention so i waited until we had deboarded and we were walking down the terminal and at that point everybody had kind of filtered away and i kind of walked up uh and got to where i was walking side by side with him and i just said hey mr glover um i just i just want to tell you i i If I could have five minutes of your time, I just really want to talk to you about the movie Honey Dripper, which was a John Sayles movie that he did. Mm -hmm. And he stopped in the airport. Man, I didn't think anybody had even seen that movie. That movie is one of my favorites that I've ever done. And he starts talking about the experience and how he was just so grateful to John Sayles and other people like that who are brave enough to tell stories like honey mm-hmm. dripper, you know, that feature all black casts and all, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was, so, so also if you can think about ask, ask them about something that they never get asked about mm-hmm. and you will also get a conversation from them, ask them a unique question, you know, yes. don't walk up to them and go, Hey, I'm too old for this shit or what, you know, <laughs> don't, don't go up to them and, and, and try to quote their famous, trust me. It's like Ewan McGregor the other day was saying, in an interview that everywhere he goes people that see him go hello there you know they try to do that sure. thing to him you know it's like you you got if you want if you want to have a genuine like moment and conversation right. it goes and so he did he spent a good five minutes with me uh and i knew i'd hit the question right when i asked him about right. honey and he stopped walking mm-hmm. he's a big guy too jeff he's like Oh, four
1: oh i've always known he, he's, he's always dude. been a, not just presence but you can see that on film
0: too i mean yes yeah. like he's he tall a big dude yeah he's yeah. a big dude um, so anyway, so that's my Danny Glover story. So, uh, but uh, yeah, but he's in this, um, and, uh, it was, I think probably his first take before he went to supervillain in, uh, in color purple, but, uh, so, so here's some takeaways, right? It's a wonderful movie. It's a very compelling story. Uh, it, it genuinely reflects, uh, you know, a theme of path, pacifism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really does. Um, it's just a fantastic atmosphere. Um, it places the audience, somewhere really different for, for most of us, you know, um, to be within and amongst the Amish community. Mm -hmm. And it's a wonderful contrast between the two worlds, particularly in how the technology is represented. Right. And the Truman show that he would do later definitely deals with this, but, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, so, so here's another takeaway. Is there anything scarier as a kid than having to go to the bathroom by yourself in public? no. It's pretty, it's pretty you know, when you're at that age, right? And you're yeah, like your you, parents you're, are like, no, you, you can go by yourself you go by fine. yourself. I don't want to go terrifying, in there. right? As yeah. a kid, it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, and again, I realize that, that may be another reason why this movie still hooks me is it's children in peril, it's a kid in peril, and that yeah. kind of stuff just compels me. I get really nervous for uh, for the kids. So mm-hmm. um, there's that moment that bathroom scene is raw, it's dirty, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. ugly um it's it's just a nasty murder um and uh and and it's it's it still holds up i think mm-hmm. you you just you, you watch it and you kind of go jesus yeah. christ like i mean yeah. yeah uh it's it's pretty brutal and i and i think that that works right i mean the kid needed to be exposed to something okay. really extremely violent to really get that other end of the spectrum because he's being raised in a pacifist, you know, nonviolent Amish community. Also so,
1: also juxtaposition of environment.
0: Oh, without question. Yeah. You know, his community is safe. Now he's in the jungle, right? He's in, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's in the craziness that's the city. It uh, it's, it's really poignant also and strategic in a couple of ways. It addresses the Amish tourist trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the idea that people <laughs> flock to Lancaster County because they want to take pictures in front of the horses and buggies and and with the amish and and um and at the same time it ties that into uh how the amish get bullied right because Mm -hmm. there's this wonderful scene it's a street fight scene some of the local bullies kind of gather around uh uh, the, the the horse and buggy and they they start you know smearing ice cream over uh over alexander gudnov's face and they and they start teasing and like what are you gonna do what are you gonna do you know because they know that that Nothing. the amish won't fight back right and so then here comes harrison ford right out of the buggy walking up and they're all like "Book, don't do this don't do this you know and he's like it's not our way and he's like but it's my way you know and he and he walks up you know and he gets and this is the, this is like the greatest moment right because he has this indiana jones moment where he goes you're making a mistake you Know and the guy just keeps teasing, and Ford just you know lays them all on the ground. There's a piece of shit out of them, you know.
1: And while his dressed, audience, while dressed you're like, like an yeah. Amish, because by that point in the film, Ford is dressed in Amish, you know, yes! clothing.
0: So, <laughs> and he gets his hat knocked off, and I keep thinking um, Indiana Jones losing his hat, and it's just. It, it's, it's really of confluence, right? Of all of these things, but it's a wonderful cinematic moment. Um, <laughs> and I love the, I, I love the Volkswagen scene where he mm-hmm. sings the Sam cooks wonderful world song. I like mm-hmm. the barn raising scene where they're all building the barn. Yes. You know, Harrison Ford is really a carpenter by trade. Mm-hmm. So, he, you know, they, they really did build a barn structure in that scene. Uh, and um, that death scene, for one of the murderers at the end, still gets me. It's the grain barn, mm-hmm. where the guy goes into the barn and then Harrison Ford releases the grain and it all falls on him and he and he suffocates. And then, oh, yeah, that's a, it's a terrible way. A terrible terrible way, way to go, go man. <laughs> and um, I and and the the ending to me this time around, Jeff, felt. And I don't want to spoil it, but but it yeah. it felt very similar and familiar to Shane, the movie Shane. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why yet, but it's like, you know, the reluctant gunfighter of the West in Shane, Alan Ladd, you know, who just walks off into the sunset. He knows he can't stay with the woman. And, you know, because witness is kind of a romance. It is kind of a melodrama in some ways, but it's, you know, Rachel and John, it's never going to work. They're just, they're just from two radically different worlds. And um, so it's kind of interesting to see them tease that, but, but I like the way that it ends because, you know, it, it, it would not have worked. It's just, it's not feasible and witness holds up, Jeff. I haven't, I haven't seen it in probably 30 plus years. Yeah. And um, it it was, it's, yeah, it's just, it's really good. I think, I think it holds up. And I I found this quote by Peter Weir that I wanted to throw out to you as a, as a way to close out. He said uh, in an interview once, he said, music is my fountainhead. Everything I do comes from that. At the moment, I'm getting intoxicated on Beethoven, but I always use Pink Floyd for inspiration while making a film. Their music contains a sound for almost everything I do. And you're wearing a Pink Floyd shirt today. That's so funny. How about that? How about that, kids? But I thought I'd let you take that one because Pink Floyd. Ooh, you
1: know. Floyd, I, I got to tell you, I had, a, and, and I'll make this a quick story. Um, their last time they toured ever for the Division Bell Uh, This was 1993, 94, and I was living in Memphis. They were going to play Vanderbilt Stadium. Um, And I had to go wait in line outside the Piggly Wiggly because they had the Ticketmaster office inside the Piggly Wiggly. Because the line around the, the the record store was too long, so I gambled and went to the Ticketmaster outlet. Um, so it was before
0: the internet, kids. Yes, yeah, so you used to have to you wait. Had to go wait in line for tickets. Before. Yeah, and
1: basically the Ticketmaster was also the Western Union and <laughs> God knows you know what else. So you kind of had to have your decision ready, you know, when you got up there.
0: This guy behind me is here for tool tickets. I'm just here <laughs> to send a hundred dollars to Aunt May. Yeah,
1: she's dying. Um. I'm like, you seeing Tool, dude? And just like, no, my Aunt May's dying. Oh, bummer. Do you want to see Tool? Like, <laughs> as long as you're here, you know, knock out two birds with one stone. So anyway, I get, I get my tickets. It's months away, of course. That, that, that still hasn't changed about buying concert tickets. Um, it's always a few months out. Um, so time comes. Super. I've been psyched up all week. Ready to go. Uh, You know, the old, you remember the old hatchback I used to drive that, that gray hatchback. It was like a third hand-me-down. I finally had inherited it. It was mine. Um, You know, so I got my, my portable CD player Velcroed to like the, to the dash and put the little fake tape in that'll run the audio through into the tape player. And I'm like blasting the wall live, you know, and barreling down the interstate. My engine light comes on. And you know me, anyone who knows me knows that I would never in a million years push on. And I sure enough, I turned around and, and I still have that ticket. Still, have oh,
0: it. oh, oh, I had no idea that the hatchback failed you that day, or maybe the you hatchback, did, tell me in it, yeah. The
1: all. hatchback failed me that day, man. You know, oh. but, but to be fair to the hatchback it's it's uh 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 it's child the death star would also have given up on me uh uh that day also you know the the old black chevrolet blazer with the blue interior like it would have it also would have given up i just think i wasn't meant to see them you know do their (sighs) thing so but anyway that's that's my that's my pink floyd story and and i think that's a good i think that's a good point for us to stop for the week um if you want to contact us, there's a number of different ways. Uh, you can email us uh, lonelyphds at gmail.com. Uh, we got a Discord, folks, and you can go over there and post and interact with us. And you never others. know what's
0: you never know what's going to be in the Discord. You, Could be some never, am clips. Could be. <laughs> I don't want a jimmer. Can... I don't want a jimmer jammer though.
1: No jimmer jammer. That's right. You know I. <laughs> I, uh, I, sometimes I'll post whole movies. So, you know, if I can find them, I post them, <laughs> uh, you know, YouTube, that's your fault. As we've said before, that's like, it's on you, YouTube. Uh, so we have a discord. I'll put both of those links, of course, in the show notes, or you can go to our website page, uh, in, in, uh, uh, through Podbean and get that there. We are of course available for subscription on Apple, uh, stitcher, Google, and, and, and a whole bunch of other things. And, uh, I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes.
0: I'm Dr. Joseph Watson.
1: And we'll see you next time.